What does empathy mean to you? How can we teach and nurture empathy with both adults and children? How did one woman change our understanding of product design for the better with the help of empathy? My name is Lottie. I'm a writer and cultural critic based at the University of Cambridge. In this series, I want to dive a little deeper into our human skills with the help of movies, literature and art. We can learn a lot from the culture we surround ourselves with. Creativity is an indicator of how we think and feel, how we relate to and communicate with each other. Let's look at how we can understand our skills through culture, from cartoons to classical music. Maybe you'll start to get a little more creative. On today's episode, how can we tap into the experiences of others? How can product design enable us to see with the eyes of another? I want to talk about empathy. I'm Lottie Walker, and this is How to Hatch. See the world through other people's eyes. Now, empathy is a quality of character that can change the world. Many of you know what it's like to be an outsider, know what it's like to be marginalized, and that's an experience that a lot of Americans share. Hispanic Americans know that feeling when somebody asks them where they come from or tells them to go back. Gay and lesbian Americans feel it when a stranger passes judgment on, on their parenting skills or the love that they share. Muslim Americans feel it when they're stared at with suspicion because of their faith. Any woman who knows the injustice of earning less pay for doing the same work, she knows what it's like to be on the outside looking in. Your experiences give you special insight that today's leaders need. If you tap into that experience, it should endow you with empathy. The understanding of what it's like to walk in somebody else's shoes, to see through their eyes, to know what it's like when you're not born on third base, thinking you hit a triple. Your experiences give you special insight that today's leaders need. That was Barack Obama's commencement speech at Morehouse College from 2013. The former president of the United States declared the empathy deficit as a more pressing issue than the federal deficit. That empathy must triumph over economy if we are to try and make sense of the disconnected state of our world. Empathy. It's an important part of our interpersonal relationships. It's played a key part in shaping societies through understanding the experiences, needs and desires of others. Our capacity for empathy is enabled by our ability to understand. Whilst empathy is all about understanding, empathy can be tricky to understand. The word itself first appeared in 1909 at a lecture by psychologist Edward B. Titchener. Titchener was influenced by the German term Einfühlung, which means feeling into. Titchener instead conjured empathy as an animated process, whereby a work of art might evoke actual bodily movements with accompanying emotions. The term empathy began making its way into neuroscience, when in 1992 a group of Italian researchers observed neurons fired in macaque monkeys when they picked up a raisin and when they saw a person pick up a raisin. Soon, similar patterns were identified in humans, 
and the empathy circuit was identified. All right, time for a little science. This circuit depends on four different areas of the brain. We start off in an almond-shaped clump at the base of the brain, the amygdala, which plays a key role in our emotional learning and the reading of emotional expressions. Then, at the front of the brain, is a C-shaped section called the anterior cingulate cortex, or ACC, which activates when we experience our own pain or observe the pain of others. Ouch! Then, we have the anterior insula, AI, which, according to my high school science diagram, is sort of like a walnut in the middle of the brain. The AI lights up in response to our own pain, the pain of a loved one, and other visual stimulants such as disgusting tastes and images. <gasps> then, the most important region of the empathy circuit is the medial prefrontal cortex, MPC, or the prefrontal lobe. The MPC modulates social information, including self-awareness and other people's thoughts and feelings. All of this might have convinced anyone that empathy is emotionally hardwired. However, this is frequently not the case. Neurodiverse individuals might not take the same route on the circuit, they could miss a stop or access the empathy circuit a little differently. As German historian of emotions Ute Frevert explains, the fact that human beings are so naturally equipped to feel what others feel does not mean that they always do so. They might just turn away and act indifferent. In a workplace environment, it is especially important to consider not just how our brains are similar, but also how they might be different. To do that, empathy might just come in handy. Movies, literature and art can help us to foster greater empathy by exposing us to the perspectives of people whose lives we would not otherwise consider. Nicknamed the mother of empathy, Dr. Patricia Moore is an internationally recognised designer specialising in consumer lifespan behaviours and requirements. She is often called a gerontologist, which if you didn't know, which I didn't, Gerontology is the study of ageing processes and individuals across a lifetime. Through an experiment in experiential empathy, Patricia Moore helped expand worldviews and imaginations in design, transforming her own life and the lives of others. Patricia Moore designed a whole series of innovative products that were suitable for use by elderly people, such as those with arthritic hands. Potato peelers with thick rubber handles... That was her. She also contributed as a founder of Universal Design, an approach which ensures products are designed non-exclusively for use by a wide range of consumers, which is now a standard in the industry. Design is supposed to empower people, not disable people. By dismantling the hierarchy of design, Patricia Moore wanted to ask why do some people deserve good design and others don't? To answer such a question, she of course used her creativity and a lot of prosthetic glue. Between 1979 and 1982, Moore travelled through Canada and the United States disguised as an elderly woman. 
Her body was altered to simulate that of an 80-year-old woman, and in doing so she was able to empathise with and embody the life of an elderly consumer. It transformed how she would respond to people, products and environment. It would transform her thinking. When Moore began her career in the 1970s at the age of 26, she was working at the renowned industrial design firm Raymond Lowy, responsible for the Coca-Cola bottle and the Shell logo. She raised her hand in a planning meeting and asked, Couldn't we design the refrigerator door so that someone with arthritis would find it easy to open? And was met with disdain from a colleague. Patty, we don't design for those people. She was furious. It's remarkable to me to think that designers were faced with a time where we weren't expected to design for all people as equal. I'd like us to think about empathy experiments, how they can play a part in the workplace and enhance how we relate to and think with one another. Patricia put on makeup to look old and wrinkly wore glasses which blurred her vision, wore a brace with bandages so she would hunch over and uneven shoes which meant having to rely on a walking stick. I'm not asking you to do any of this. Instead, I want to tell you about Media Monk's digital empathy experiment. Have you ever been in a situation where you wish you could have said something different? where someone was left feeling uncomfortable because of something you or someone else said, an off-the-cuff remark, a personal dig, or even a moment where you thought, hmm, maybe I should have stepped in and said something there. These are opportunities for empathy, and responding to them responsibly is easier said than done, even with the best intentions. Creative director Beryl Chung has developed a training tool which helps to foster empathy in the workplace. Beryl explains... When we talk about diversity, it's often in terms of representation, ensuring a campaign or platform ticks all the demographic boxes. But while representation is incredibly important, it's only half the battle. True diversity is about inclusion. This means establishing a working environment in which intended audiences are actively involved, are given resources and responsibility to shape the experience, receive credit for the work they put in, and are at liberty to change key messaging to any level of seniority. Building these inclusive workplaces starts with empathy. The Digital Empathy Experiment aims to illustrate universal feelings of inclusivity and exclusivity by asking participants to navigate different situations through different dialogue choices and responses. These conversations are nuanced and offer a safe space where we can test out our responses without the fear of being right or wrong. The character designs intentionally transcend demographic labels and non-verbal interactions so as to encourage people to read between the lines. As the scenarios unfold, the participant creates an opportunity for shared understanding through relatable and universal experiences. How can we be certain our intentions are always right? What if we say the wrong thing? You can't, and you will. Homing in on our empathy means getting it wrong sometimes. It requires a self-awareness that extends beyond you and reads the room, recognising individual challenges and confronting them with empathy. 
three minutes of experimenting with empathy can build and strengthen these discussions. Three years experimenting with empathy revolutionised product design. These experiments revolve around four attributes of empathy, outlined by nursing scholar Teresa Wiseman. Empathy, she tells us, is about perspective-taking, staying out of judgment, recognising the emotion of others and communicating back that emotion. Sounds like a circuit to me. A circular pattern of reading, realisation and response that is certain to strengthen workplace relationships for the future. In our next episode, how atonal composition changed the way we listen to and make music. We'll be talking about uncertainty. You've been listening to How to Hatch, a podcast brought to you by Hatch, a team of futurists, anthropologists, entrepreneurs and artists. The team specialises in the future of work and leadership, consulting professionals from all over the world to improve areas that are considered essential to success in future times. Our work is to pay attention to your work, to strengthen the human capabilities we will need for the future of leadership. Curious about how you can future-proof your workplace? Go to www.iamhatch.com to find out more. See you next time.